Well, I want to preach a word to you today titled, I'm done. I'm done. Turn to someone next to you and say, I'm done. If you have a Bible, you can go to 1 Peter chapter 4. Yes. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, Peter was talking to the church, and he said, Therefore, um, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. Everybody say, I'm done with sin. So what Peter was saying here is that when we have the same attitude as Christ, Christ went to the cross to finish sin. Isn't it interesting that the last words Jesus said before he died was, I'm done. I mean, he said, it is finished. But he's like, seriously, I'm done. I paid the price for your sin. And because Jesus said it's finished, he had the same attitude to say, I am here to fulfill God's will. I am here to finish off this slavery of sin. He says, arm yourself with the same attitudes to be done with sin. And then he says in verse 2, as a result, those who are done with sin no longer live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires. Because here's the deal. Even though we are dead to sin, like Romans chapter 6, verse 11 says you are dead to sin when you become a Christian, when you follow Jesus, sin is dead to you. Say, it's dead to me. Say, sin, you are dead to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even though it's dead to you, there's still these fleshly desires that on a daily basis you have to put to death those desires of the flesh that try to creep back into your life, that want to resurrect the old man that wants to come. I'm not talking about like an actual old person. I'm, talk I'm talking about like the old way of life, the old attitudes, the impatience, the anger, the addictive behavior, the things you shouldn't do, the, the cussing, the retaliating, the bitterness, the unforgiveness, the um, shame, the anxiety, the worry. And Peter says, it's time to be done with that old way of life. Somebody shout, I'm done. I'm done. Well, I remember going to ORU and there was this girl that I was dating and I needed to be done with this relationship. It wasn't Ashley. That's the bottom line. And my friends even told me, they said, this girl, she's not really good for you, Paul. You know, and honestly, you're not really good for her either. Let's be honest, like both of y'all, you're good people, but together you're not good for each other. This is an unhealthy relationship. It wasn't immoral. It wasn't bad. It just was unhealthy. And I remember being comfortable in an unhealthy relationship. It was easy. It was comfortable. We weren't sharpening each other. We weren't making each other better. We weren't challenging each other to get to church or read our Bible or pray or grow closer to Jesus. We were just comfortable. I wonder how many of us in the room have become comfortable with dysfunctions in our life, comfortable with unhealthy attitudes, unhealthy relationships, things that God never intended to, be, to, to become a permanent thing in your life. And he's saying, you were supposed to be done with that a long time ago, but you've been dragging this thing on. Okay, so I already feel like I'm stepping on people's toes, but <laughs> I'm gonna jump back into my personal life for a moment, then I'll come back to you. So in this moment, I knew I was supposed to be done with it. Even my parents, they said, Paul, you need, to, you need to break up with this girl. She's not Ashley. By the way, Ashley's not gonna wait around forever. She's at Bible college. Other guys are interested in her. And I knew that, like, Ashley and I knew each other. We had gone to high school together. But both of us had started going our different ways. And my dad said, this is not the right girl for you. So I remember these feelings of just knowing I should be done, but I was dragging it on. Finally, a day came. And a day will always come in your life when you know it's time to be done. And when that day comes, 
That's the day that you have to have the guts and the courage to look that thing in the eye and say, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Peace out. Victory sign. I'm done. That's all, folks. I'm done. And I remember going to this meeting with this girl. We met up outside of the cafeteria of our school. And I said, "Um, I need to tell you something. It's not you. It's me. (laughs) Just shout, I'm done. I think we're going in different directions. It's not you. It's me. (laughs) I need to focus on school and God more. And she asked me the question, can we still hang out? Will you still keep a picture of me in your wallet? Can we hold hands? Will you call me to go with you to a movie? Will you still keep your number, my number in your phone? Some of us need to look at the devil and say, I'm done. I'm not calling you anymore. I'm deleting your number. I am done with this. The problem is we say it and then we keep going back to it. Keep going back to that old mindset. You know, this is a famous phrase, I'm done. In fact, there's a lot of like memes out there um, that, that have this. I wanted to show you a few because they're funny and I think they're powerful too. This dog, he's like, I'm done. <laughs> I don't wanna walk anymore. Mary Poppins, she's like, I'm flying away. I'm done, I'm so done right now. Uh, this one, cancel my subscription. I'm done with your issues. I like that one. <laughs> Bruh, I'm done. <laughs> I like it. Uh, this one, I love it. She just takes her purse. She's like, I'm done. Have a nice life. I'm done trying to be in it. Um, and then I like, oh, yeah, Mary Poppins again, just flying away. I'm so done. But I like this one with LeBron James, just walking out of the press conference like, I am so done. Somebody say, I'm so done. Come on, some of us have been getting robbed of our peace and our joy and our life and our creativity. And you need to look at the devil and say, I am so done. Peace out. That's all, folks. I'll see you later. The problem is... We find comfort in our dysfunctions. There was a book that someone gave me called Necessary Endings by Dr. Henry Cloud, a Christian psychologist. And in the book, he proposes that oftentimes we have lumped the idea of quitting all into the same category. So we're afraid to quit anything because we've been told anything you quit makes you a quitter. But what if quitting some things in your life actually makes you a winner? What if quitting certain things in your life that you should have quit a long time ago actually makes you a champion? And he talked about how there's toxic things that you've allowed to be in your life. You've even persevered in these things, thinking, well, I just need to hold on to it. I gotta hold on to it. Uh, Jesus often talked in the Bible about trees. So I'm not gonna apologize anymore for talking about trees because you know I talk about trees all the time. But Jesus talked about trees and plants and vegetables. And he oftentimes talked about pruning. Everybody say pruning. We're going into a season called fall. And people like the fall, but you need to consider what the fall means. The fall is basically the trees looking at the leaves and saying, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'll see you in a little while, but I'm done. And here's what Jesus is saying to us today. Some of you need to look at some things that have been hanging on to you, leeches that have been robbing you. The the enemy comes in John 10, verse 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. And what the enemy does is he'll get you to hold on to things that are robbing you of your vitality, robbing you of your creativity, robbing you of the joy you've been called to walk in, robbing you of the peace you're called to walk in, robbing you of the abundant. How many of y'all wanna live a victorious, abundant life? Half of y'all in the room. How many of y'all wanna have the best, 
life that God has offered to you. Okay. Well, you're going to have to be done with some stuff. I used to start every year out with this thought of God, what do you want me to do this year? What do you want me to start this year? What should our church launch this year? And about three years ago, when I got that book, Necessary Endings, the question changed. And now I ask two questions at the start of the year. The question is, what should I stop so that I can start what you want me to start? What should we prune? What should we stop doing that worked in the 90s that's not working today? Because sometimes we make everything gospel and we think everything's got to be exactly the way it was. Did you know my parents felt called in 1991 to go to St. Petersburg, Russia? Every month they would go. As a family, we would go. As a church, we were sending teams for 18 months in a row. Thousands of people got saved. Give God praise. That's amazing. That's amazing. But you know where I'm going with this, right? Because at the end of those 18 months, you know what my dad said? I'm done. I'm done. And some people go, well, he should have kept going. He wouldn't have lived as long as God allowed him to live if he would have kept doing, see, something that's good in one season. We've made certain things permanent that God says that was only supposed to be temporary. You wonder why your business is struggling. It's because you have made something that I gave you for a temporary season, a permanent thing. When the horse dies, dismount from the horse. Somebody say, I'm done. We got to be careful because if we don't get done with the wrong stuff, we'll be tempted to be done with the right stuff. Like two weeks ago, there was a young pastor who took his life. And it broke my heart, broke my wife's heart. We sat and we just... We wrestled with tears and questions, and we thought in our minds, at what point does a a pastor who loves Jesus, who preaches the word of God, get to a place where they finally say, I'm done? And I think it comes back to when you choose not to be done with the stuff God's called you to be done with, you start giving into the temptation to be done with the thing he's called you to be committed to. Like some of y'all might be, might be listening to this message and go, see, I knew it. I'm supposed to be done with my marriage. Nope. Marriage is for life. It is a covenant relationship. Dear church, marriage is God's idea. One man, one woman for life. We stand for people to come together and stay together. But some of us are looking for excuses to be done with the thing God's called us to be committed to because we haven't be, we haven't divorced and broken up with the attitudes and the addictions and the pornography and the and the stuff that's robbing us of the vitality that God's called us to really be committed to. We've got to be done with sin so we can be committed to righteousness. I've got to be done with selfishness so I can be committed to selflessness and serving my spouse and my kids. If I don't know how to be done in this category, then I'm going to be tempted to be done in the category God's called me to be committed to. Some of us are more comfortable with our dysfunctions. We're more comfortable with our sin. We're more comfortable in our slavery. We like it. This is how the Israelites were. They actually liked being slaves to Pharaoh. Even though they wanted to be free, they were like, well, at least we get free meals. No, it's not free meals. You're literally working for those meals. Yeah, 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 but, you know, Pharaoh, he watches out for us. No, no, he whips you. He kills your kids. Like Moses was trying to get the Israelites out of the slavery of Egypt. Finally, he gets them out. And their mindsets are still so married to their old ways. They go, we had it better in Egypt. 
We didn't have to fight for food. It was given to us. They were so stuck in their old ways, they couldn't see what God was trying to do. Some of us need to say, today, I'm done with being a slave to sin. We need to sing that old song. Na, 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 na. Na, 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 na. Come on, somebody. That's powerful right there. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. Paul was writing to the church, and he said, dear church, your old life is dead. Like, I know you want to keep bringing it back to life, but this is not a Lazarus story. Your old life is meant to be dead. Somebody say, it's dead to me. He says, your new life, which is your real life, like this is the real life, even though it's tough, arm yourselves with the same attitude of Christ, meaning I'm committed to fighting for the real life he's called me to walk in. John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life, life more abundantly, victorious life. How many of y'all want to have an abundant life? Okay, that's God's will for you. If you're here and you're going, no, I think God wants me to have a bad life, a poor life, a sad life, a defeated life. You're like, listen, you're reading the wrong version of the Bible because the Bible says he wants to have he wants you to have life more abundantly. But to have life more abundantly, you need to break up with anything that's holding you back from your destiny. You need to break up. You need to say, I am done with anything of my past, anything that's trying to creep into my present. So he goes on to say this in verse five of Colossians three. He says, therefore, kill off everything connected with that old way of death. Somebody say, kill it. Kill it. You got to kill it. You got to slay it. You got to kill sexual promiscuity. You've got to kill impurity. Why? You go, well, Paul, it's, it feels good in the moment. Sin costs you more than you want to pay, keeps you longer than you want to stay. Promises you everything, but leaves you with nothing. It's time to be done with that thing that's profiting off of your dysfunction. You need to say, I'm done with lust. I'm done with impurity. I'm done with doing whatever I feel like doing. You know, the world says if it feels good do it and yet that's slavery to your feelings I need to stop being so married to my feelings and I need to break up with my feelings and and tell my feelings feelings you need to bow down to my faith in God rather than making my faith follow my feelings my feelings need to follow my commitment to Christ I'm arming myself with the same attitude of Christ I am done with letting my feelings dictate me he said it wasn't that long ago that you were living like this you were in all of this stuff and you didn't know better you were in all of this stuff you didn't know better but then he goes on to say this but now you know better Like now you should be further along. Make sure it is gone for good. Somebody say gone for good. Gone for good. I I know for me when I was younger, I got excited every year that I transitioned from elementary into middle school into high school and then into college. But wouldn't it be weird if I was like 23 and like Billy Madison, I had to go back to like first grade and people were like what's the adult doing over there why is he in this class with us we're all five years old and he's like 30 years old this is what happens oftentimes we decide to follow Jesus and we get older but we never grow up and it's like hey you were supposed to graduate from that like you you should have been done with that a long time ago no shame no condemnation but today's a great day to say I'm done because it's robbing you It's robbing you. The immaturity is robbing you 
of the life God's called you to live. This is why Paul said, we should be craving the pure milk of God, the meat of God's word. It's time for us to stop settling for cheap candy, fast food. It's time for us to break up with that old immature lifestyle. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, I even lived like a child. But when I became a man, boys to men, it's time to wave bye-bye to my old childish fits that I used to throw. It's time for me to grow up and leave Neverland. Y'all remember Toys R Us? Rest in peace, RIP, Toys R Us, remember that? I don't wanna grow up, I'm a Toys R Us kid. I wonder if that's the song that some Christians are singing. I don't wanna grow up. I don't wanna let go of my old ways. And God's saying, it's time, it's time. You know, Peter Pan on the movie Hook, when he finally left Neverland, he figured out that the greatest adventure of all was becoming a dad. And growing up, and he said, death is nothing to be afraid of. Some of us are afraid of letting go of things because that fear of, do I have what it takes to do what he's asked me to do? You need to break up with that insecurity and start walking in that confidence God's called you to walk in. I'd rather live on the water walking with faith than stay in the boat of fear and insecurity and inadequacy. I'm done with the boat. I'm ready to walk on the water. Come on, church. Somebody say, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. And I want to just talk to you today about some things that you probably need to be done with, that I need to be done with. Number one, I'm done with finding my worth from the wrong source. I'm done finding my worth from the wrong source. My question to you today is, is what's feeding you right now? Because sometimes it's hard to be done with something that you're getting fed by. And you think it's a good source. You think that it's really feeding you. Like Proverbs 26, verse 22 says, listening to gossip is like eating cheap candy. Uh, like when you hang out with friends and all you do is gossip about other people, you think it's feeding you in some way, but it's cheap candy. It's not actually sustainable. Um, there's actual uh, uh, traps that they have to kill rats, and these traps... They don't immediately kill the rat. What they do is they put out food, and this food has zero nutrition in it. And when the rats eat the food because it smells good, it tastes good, the only problem is it kills them within just a few hours after eating it because it's poisonous food. In the same way, this is what the enemy does. He tries to get you to feed on counterfeit food. He tries to get you to find your worth, your identity from counterfeit sources. All right, because if he can just get you addicted to that dysfunction, that connection to think that the alcohol is going to feed you, more money is going to feed you, more likes on Instagram is going to feed you, the approval of man is going to feed you, the boyfriend is going to feed you. At some point, you start to wake up and realize this isn't working. This is not feeding me like I thought it was going to feed me. In John chapter 4, Jesus was witnessing to this woman uh, who was a, a Samaritan woman. And she was thirsty. Everybody say thirsty. Come on, there's some thirsty people here today. <laughs> and this woman, she was trying to get a drink, and Jesus said, um, can I get a drink? And she said, why are you asking me for a drink? And he said, if you knew who was asking you, you would be asking me for a drink. And he said, the truth is, you've had five marriages that haven't worked out. And the guy you're living with right now, he's not even your husband. You've been going to men to try to fill a void in your life. There's, there's a song that uh, came out when I was in high school called um, God-Shaped Hole by Plum. There's a God-shaped hole in all of us, and it's a hole that only he can fill. 
But this woman had been going to man after man after man to try to fill the void in her heart, to try to fill the void in her soul. And Jesus calls her out on it. He says, that's not going to satisfy you. That's a counterfeit source. That is a broken cistern. That's an empty well. You're going to keep going after guy after guy after guy and be heartbroken after heartbreak after heartbreak. And he said, but the water I give you, it will sustain you. It will sustain you. She said, give me this water. He said, I am the Messiah. I'm the one you're looking for. All right. So then she goes off and tells her town. She says, could this be the Messiah? She doesn't confess him as Lord and Savior. The town doesn't come down to an altar call. Jesus is waiting on the response of his seed sowing the word into her life. Some of you are waiting on a harvest of seeds that you have sown. And you think the harvest is what's going to feed you. But watch what Jesus does. After sowing the seed, before there's any response, before there's any altar call, before there's any harvest, his disciples come up to him in verse 31 and they say, Rabbi, eat something. Everybody say, eat something. People will always try to get you to eat counterfeit things. Eat something, eat something, eat. They weren't talking about food. Jesus changed the conversation. It wasn't about physical food. He was talking about what feeds you. What makes you feel successful? What makes you feel significant? Where do you find your value, your identity, your worth? I remember this book came out a long time ago called Five Love Languages. And he goes through the five love languages that make people feel loved. And, and, and for some people, it's acts of service. How many feel loved when someone does an act of service for you? You're like, oh, I just love it when they, when they serve me. <laughs> All right, um, and, then, and then there's gift giving. You, you feel loved when someone gives you a gift, an intentional gift. They thought of you. It's a gift you would like. How many feel loved when someone gives you a gift and they thought of you? All right, it's okay. It's all good. And then there's words of affirmation. How many of you are loved by words of affirmation? Okay, that's me too. Like that's a, Some of y'all are like, I'm all five of them. I need all of them. That's what feeds me. <laughs> Okay, that's cool. Okay, but for me, my number one is words of affirmation. And so when people are like saying nice things, I'm like, oh, it feels good. And God's checking me. He's like, check your consumption. Because their affirmation is fast food. And I know in the moment it feels good, Paul. But you need a sustainable source. And if you're finding your worth off of what people say to you or say about your sermons. Here's something God said to me this past week. He said, when people respond to your message at the altar call, you are, finding, you are attaching the worth of your life as a preacher as a pastor, to their response to the word. But I want you to look at what Jesus did. Before there was any altar call, before anyone came back to him, after he sowed the seed, he said in verse 33, I have food that you know nothing about. I have food that you know nothing about. They said, who gave him this food? In verse 34, he said, my food. Everybody say, my food. In other words, what feeds me, what makes me feel worthy, where I find my identity, my source of worth and value, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. In other words, Jesus said, I am fed by sowing the seed, not reaping the harvest of the seeds I've sown. So I feed with my seed. You say, but I thought I'm not supposed to eat my seed. I'm supposed to sow my seed. Yes, but find your food in the satisfaction, in the action of sowing the seed, rather than waiting for people to respond to the seed that you sowed. This set me free this week. God said, Paul, your sermon 
sermons are always good no matter who responds to them because you sowing the seed is where the food is really at. You can't control the soil. All you can do is sow the seed. So find your, your value, find your worth. Some of you, when you go to work, you're waiting for people to like you. You're waiting on a paycheck to feel fed. You're waiting to get a promotion, a bonus. You think a new car is going to feed you. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 4, this is chasing after the wind. And wind looks different for all of us. Chasing after the wind for some of you is chasing after more Instagram followers, more likes on Facebook, more comments from people, hand claps, applause. It makes for thirsty preachers and hungry daddies and hungry, like we're never going to be enough until John Mayer even wrote a song about this. He said, what is it about this feeling that I'm never good enough? Like he is one of the like songwriters of our time, one of the wealthiest, most successful secular songwriters, but yet he admits and confesses, I never feel good enough. And there's, is it ever going to be washed out or is it in the blood? Am I, am I born with this generational curse of never feeling good enough? Until you let Jesus define your worth and value, you will never be good enough. No matter how much money you make, no matter what car you drive, no matter how much fame you get, no matter how many hand claps you get. I, and I appreciate those golf hand claps you just gave me right there. But I'm finding my food by preaching his word, not by your reaction to his word. Come on, somebody. Somebody say, I'm done finding my worth from the wrong source. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. But he also said in Matthew 4, verse 4, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, I'm not just feeding on my obedience to God. I'm feeding on what God says about me, not what people say about me. I'm done attaching my worth and my value to what people say about me. Secondly, I'm done letting the enemy control the inner me. I'm reclaiming my imagination. I'm taking back my most valuable asset. My mind belongs to Christ. We need to tell the devil today, get your hands off of God's property. My mind is the mind of Christ. I'm getting my creativity back. I'm getting my joy back. I'm getting my peace back. I'm not going to be stressed. I'm not going to be anxious. I'm not going to be triggered. I'm not going to be short fused. I'm not going to be tormented. I'm getting my mind back. The enemy wants to control the inner me. Why? Because if he could get on the inside of you, this is what like this is what happens in sports. Athletes try to get in each other's heads. When you're guarding someone in basketball, they'll try to talk smack to you. When you're shooting a free throw, they'll try to say stuff to you. The fans will wave things at you. They teach these guys when you're at the free throw line how to handle all the distractions because what happens is if they get in your head, they can mess with your behavior. If they get in your head, they can mess. If they can get on the inside, they start dictating the outside. And what we've got to decide today is that we are done letting the enemy control the inner me. Right? Because I don't want the enemy stealing my peace. I don't want the enemy stealing my joy. Jesus said in John 16, verse 22, the joy that I give you, no one can steal. No one can take. In other words, joy is my job. It's my thing. But if I give it away, that's the only way it leaves me. So I've got to get my joy back. Somebody say, I'm getting my joy back. I'm done letting the enemy rob me of the joy of being thankful and being happy today. I took a personality test this last year, and my personality, I scored as an enthusiastic person. Surprise. I'm enthusiastic. This is the real me. What you see is what you get. <laughs> so uh, 
But one of the things it said on the personality test is your personality has a hard time enjoying the present. The unhealthy side of the enthusiastic personality is that they're always excited about the next thrill, the next adventure, the next season, the next building, the next project, the next campus, the next. And so you have to work hard to really take control of your inside to determine that you are going to enjoy today. My dad used to say this, because I think my dad also had to struggle with this too at times and overcome it. He would pause in the middle of moments where he was believing for a breakthrough and he would say, this is it, this is it. This is the day that the Lord has made. What was he doing? He was taking control of his inner self. He was saying, hold on, the enemy's trying to stir up this anxiousness that I can't be happy until this thing works out, until they get this thing finished, until ORU gets out of debt, until victory finishes the sanctuary, until we finally have this, until my kids get through that, until we graduate here, and you gotta get back and go, no, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm done waiting on a future season to be happy. I'm done waiting on my kids to get right with God until I start praising the Lord. I'm done waiting for things to turn around in my company to start feeling peaceful again. I'm done delegating the inner me to someone on the outside of me. I'm taking authority of my peace today. I'm taking authority of my brain today. I'm getting my create. Come on, Jesus, take a praise break in this place. Somebody say, I'm getting my mind back. I'm getting my mind back. Philippians is a book all about the inside. Paul was in prison and he was learning to turn a prison into a palace because he took control of his inner self. This is why he said in Philippians chapter four, verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Why should you rejoice, Paul? You're in prison. You're in chains. You're in a dark dungeon where the city sewage comes down and the rats are all around you and it's nasty and it smells bad. But Paul was saying, I'm not letting the outside dictate the inside. I'm done letting the enemy control the inner me so I can rejoice no matter what's going on around me. He went on to say, next, don't be anxious for anything, but in everything, pray and bring your supplication before the Lord with thanksgiving in your hearts and fix your thoughts on things that are praiseworthy. Here's how I take control of my mind again. I stop thinking about what's going on out here and I start thinking about what's going on up there, that God's kingdom is invading my life. Jesus said, when you pray, Ask the Father to give you the kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let it happen in our minds and in our hearts today. I'm done letting anxiety get the best of me. My question today to you is what do you need to be done with? What do you need to be done with? What has been robbing you of the peace and the joy? What is the toxic attitude, mindset, relationship, friendship, habit in your life that you need to say, you know what? I'm done with that today. I'm done. I'm done letting the enemy get the best of me in this situation. We were never meant to be slaves to sin. Thirdly, I'm done being a slave to my current condition. I'm done being a slave. I'm done being a slave. I'm done being a slave to my current condition. I want the keys to come out. Mark chapter 5, this woman had been bleeding for 12 years. She was a slave to her sickness. Some of you are bleeding today on the inside. You're bleeding from heartbreak. You're bleeding from failure. You may not be bleeding physically, but inwardly you're, you're hurting. You're dying on the inside because of something that happened to you, something that someone did or said or didn't do or didn't say. 
something that you did and you feel ashamed and the enemy's just been keeping you in bondage, keeping you in the slavery to shame, the slavery. And if he can get you ashamed, he can get you to keep in that cycle of sin. Well, I've already messed up. I might as well just keep messing up. If he could keep you in condemnation, he just keeps you repeating that same addictive behavior. And so he just holds you in that pattern. And you're in a holding pattern. You feel stuck. And you're going, am I ever going to get off of this treadmill? Am I ever going to get out of this rat race? I just feel so enslaved to it. I got good news for you today. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I remember watching this movie with my wife. It was a chick flick. It was her turn to pick the movie. And um, it was about these two girls that switched places. One lived in America. One lived in, in England. And they were both going through their own crisis in relationships. And so they decided to do like a vacation rental by owner. And they switched places. Strangers. You can do that. You can, like, you can go stay in a stranger's house. I'm not going to do it, but you can do it. Um, and so one of them had just got done with a bad breakup. The other one was attached to a guy that never really liked her. And she was so into this guy, but he was not that into her. But he was profiting off of her need for him. So he would call her and say, I need you to do something. Oh, I'll do it. I need you to finish a project. I'll do it. With the hope that one day he was gonna propose to her. I'm watching this movie with Ash and I'm like, oh my goodness, this guy's a punk. When is she going to finally wake up? And my wife was like, just wait. Just wait till the end of the movie. You'll see. And I was like, have you seen this? She's like, yeah, about 20 times. All right. <laughs> and the movie goes on, and this girl is just a slave to this guy. And I just wonder, in the room, some of you, you have relationships. People are benefiting off of your insecurity. They're profiting off of your dysfunction. The drug dealer always has a job as long as the drug addict keeps coming back. But the second the drug addict goes, I'm done. I'm done. I went to rehab. I had a spiritual encounter. And then I put practical application with the spiritual revelation. And I pressed through the rehab. And I don't need you anymore. You just lost my money. I canceled my subscription. Take me off the list. All of a sudden, the enemy gets mad. The demons start trembling because there's a church called Victory that's setting people free from slavery. Holy Spirit, come on. I'm just going to preach. I'm almost done <laughs> with preaching about being done. Kind of like some of you are almost done with sin. And God's like, you keep circling the airport. You need to land the plane. You need to be done. Well, finally, in this movie, this woman, towards the very end of the movie, the guy calls her and he keeps coming back. He keeps, you know, using her and using her and using her. And she's just getting beat up in her emotions. She's bleeding. And finally, in this moment, she has this wake up call where she's like, I'm done. I'm done. And I looked at Ashley. I was like, is she done this time? Like legit done? 
Like she's not going back. Like she's erasing his number from his cell phone. My wife's like, she's done. And I'm like, yes, come on. We're like shouting at the movie screen. Like we made it happen. We're like, yes, you go girl. Cause she tells that guy, she goes, I'm done. I'm done with you. I'm done. Don't call me anymore. Don't come back to my front doorstep. I'm done. And Ashley's like, you go girl, you go girl. I was like, yes. You know, give each other high fives. Why? Because we understood the power of what just happened. She was free. Some of y'all, you don't even realize it, but the second you break up with that sin, you are free to be creative again. You are free to start prospering again. You are free to see abundance in your business. You are free to be married. You are free to be focused on your marriage. You are free to be the man he's called you to be. You are free to be the woman he's called you to be. The second you wake up and go, I am done with this shame. I am done with this insecurity. I am done with the need to be liked by everybody else. All of a sudden, you got super supernatural confidence to start moving in a way that you've never moved before and something happened with this woman in Mark chapter 5 she had been bleeding she had been defeated and it says that she had gone to doctor after doctor after doctor searching for a cure and it says she spent all the money she had trying to get better but she only got worse again the enemy prospers off of our dysfunctions at some point you go, I am done with these cigarettes. I am done with this porn. I am done with these side hustle things that I've been doing that I know I should not be doing. And I am done living in this shame. And I am done living in these addictions. And I am done living in this fear. She finally got sick and tired of being sick and tired. And watch what happens in verse 27. She found out Jesus was coming. Can I tell you something? Jesus is here. He's here. And all the crowd was around Jesus. There's always a crowd around Jesus. There's always a crowd who comes to church. And we're here. And the crowd was there. The crowd was right next to Jesus. They were bumping against Jesus, but they weren't touching Jesus. Because to touch Jesus is to be desperate for a miracle. You only get a breakthrough when you finally get desperate enough to say, I am done with this. I am done with this. I am done with this. This woman, she was 12 years addicted, a slave to this pain, a slave to these feelings, a slave to these doctors. And she pressed through the crowd. She was desperate enough to press through the crowd, even in the pain. Are you desperate enough to do whatever it takes? Are you desperate enough to do whatever it takes? Dear church, it is time to become the you that you have always been called to be. No more games. You got to either be hot or cold. No more lukewarmness. No more being one foot in and one foot out. It's time to say, I am done with the old ways. I am done with complaining. I am done with making excuses. I am done with going back to the old bad habits. I'm ready for what God has for me. And in that moment, she pressed to the crowd and she touched the hem of his garment. And when she did, Jesus felt something. He feels the power when it goes out of him. At once, Jesus turns around. He said, who touched me? Who just touched me? They said, what are you talking about? There's thousands of people around you. Everyone's touching you. He goes, no. 
Everyone's bumping into me. Everyone's coming to church. Thousands of people are here. But somebody just touched me with faith. Somebody just reached out in the midst of their dysfunction and said, I am tired of this generational curse. I know my dad was like this. I know my granddad was like this. But today, the curse is broken. The buck stops with me. If I'm the first one in my family that's going to graduate college today, if I'm the first one in my family that's done with the alcohol today, I am done I am so done I'm like Mary Poppins I'm flying away I'm done and the woman reached out and she said it was me immediately the bleeding stopped when she decided to be done immediately the bleeding was done immediately it stopped immediately it broke off of her I'm done making excuses for my bad behavior. I'm done procrastinating who God has called me to be. I'm done waiting on a future season to really start living free. I'm done waiting until a building is finished to start celebrating what God is doing in this ministry. I'm done waiting on a harvest of my seed to start celebrating the action of simply sowing and being and showing up and doing the hard work and doing it for the glory of God. I'm done waiting on people's work words to make me feel confident. I'm finding my value and my worth in Christ. Somebody say, I'm done. Stand up on your feet. I am truly done. At the end of your road, there's white index cards. Would you please pass them down? Everybody take one. Today, this is an altar call for the whole church. I want you to write down what you need to be done with today, what you are choosing. You're saying, I am done with this pride. I'm done with an arrival mindset. Some of you, you feel like you've arrived and God's saying, no, no, no. If you would have arrived, you'd be dead. There's breath in your lungs. That means I'm not finished with you yet. You need to stretch that finish line out and start dreaming again. Start believing again. Say, I am done with settling for mediocrity. I am done with settling with how far I've come. I'm going to stretch my faith to believe for greater. I want you to write down on this card, everyone, write something down to say, I am done with this. I am done with this sin. I am done with this fear. I am done with this shame. I am done with this anxiety. I am done with these feelings of inferiority. I am done with these insecurities. I am done second guessing whether or not God loves me or if God's got a plan for my life. I'm done second guessing whether or not I know who I am in Christ and what I'm called to do. I I just dare you to write down what you're done with. And in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to bring that card and leave it at the altar today and never come back to get it because you're going to bury that thing. You are going to bury that thing. You are going to say, today, I'm done with this. And here's what you need to know. Next week, I'm going to pick up on this in our new series, but I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you something right now. Just because you say you're done doesn't mean that the work is done. So on Monday, here's what you got to do. You got to start one day at a time. Everybody say one day at a time. On Monday, when you're tempted to sleep in, stay in the bed, stay in the couch, not do what you need to do, you need to tell your body, body, I am done being lazy. I'm getting out of bed today and I'm going to work. I dare you to wake up 15 minutes early tomorrow and spend some extra time in prayer and in the word of God. Just say, I am done with letting my feelings keep me in this bed. On Wednesday, when you're tempted to gossip with your coworkers about your boss and your supervisor, you just need to tell yourself, I'm done with gossip. I'm done standing in conversations that are toxic to my destiny. So I am removing myself from this situation. I'm canceling my subscription today. Let me tell you something right now. My wife and I, we were going through our budget this past year and we discovered something on our account that we had missed. Every month we were getting charged $8.99, $8.99 
for something that we weren't even using. I was like, what? Why is this on our account? We called the company. We said, we, we thought we canceled. They said, no, no, you never canceled it. I said, well, please, let, I'm telling you right now, it's, it's over. We're done. We're canceling this. We had 10 months of paying for a subscription that we weren't using. $8.99, that's like 100 bucks, right? I don't know. I'm done with high school. I'm done with math. Don't make me go back. I'm done with that. <laughs> but here's the point. They were profiting. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy has you subscribed to some stuff you don't even realize he's just taking from you. Month after month, he's taking from your marriage. He's taking from your body. As long as you keep going back to that same diet, as long as you keep going back to that same guy, that same stuff, and the enemy just keeps on robbing you secretly. And that day we said, no, cancel the subscription. It's over. We're done with that. Today, that's what you're going to do. You're going to bring these cards down, and you are saying, Satan, I am done. I am done. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Are you ready for it, church? Are you ready? All right, I want you to leave your seats. Come down and bring it to this altar. church today is a new day in your life today is a new day in your family today is a new day you're getting out of the dysfunction you're getting out of the sin you're getting out of the darkness you're rising up you're becoming who he's made you to be and I want you to I want you to think of something this is what Paul said in Philippians 3 he said I'm forgetting those things that are behind me and I'm pressing on towards what is ahead what is it about it's about the life God's called you to live it's not about getting rid of a bad thing although that's what it takes it's about pursuing something greater it's about pursuing the life that he's called you to live come on victory is not just a church you go to it's a life you can experience in every area in your thoughts in your words in your heart in your marriage in your family in your health in your friendships your relationships who you're dating god wants you to have victory over your purity he wants you to have victory over your decisions over your choices in your finances Come on, isn't this beautiful today, seeing this altar packed with decisions to say, I am done with this. I am done with this. Come on, what a beautiful day, church. I want you to pray this with me all over this room. Say, Jesus, I'm all yours. I repent of sin. 
I receive your forgiveness. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I'm done doing things my way. I want your will to be done in my life. So Lord, I'm committed to you. And I thank you for your Holy Spirit, your grace that empowers me to walk in victory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. I love you, church.